Hey there, rugby fans. Welcome to another episode of the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. An opportunity to introduce myself and the rest of the gang on screen. My name is Ty Braga, your host for today's activities, alongside, of course, the familiar faces of Rob, the Hammer Hammerschmidt, Scott, the big guy Ferrara, and joining us on this occasion, returning to the Rugby Rant, is, of course, Dave Fee. Dave, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, guys. Happy to be here. Well, Dave, it's a pleasure to be able to have you here. Uh, obviously, a rich tradition with rugby in the U.S., being a USA Eagle, uh, now in the coaching platform as well. You're a guy that's going to be able to offer us a lot of great insight when we eventually cover, in this episode, the NOLA versus Arrows game that took place, of course, last week. And uh, I'm sure that Rob will be battling on you on many of those points right there. And that's what's going to make it interesting. But before then... We have to address the most important debate for this episode is that one that those fans on the MLR Friend Zone chose is whether Ireland versus the United States, the proposed test match to take place in July, is wise to participate in. And on a second layer, how does this affect Major League Rugby as it will be taking place still within the time that the league is continuing onto its playoff stages, perhaps even into those very, very delicate times for teams. So with that in mind, I also wanted to remind our viewers who may not yet seen the Rugby Rant podcast show, this is how it works. Each one of our participants on screen are given two minutes to be able to rant about the topic at hand. Should they go over there a lot of time, they will receive what we like to call, say with me, gentlemen, the, the cheese. cheese. That, of course, is the yellow card. And should they continue to infringe and continue to ignore the yellow, they will be promoted to the red and they'll be out for the next round in the debate. And uh, under the new guidelines, I think that means you return after two minutes, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got new uh, law variations, yes. Right. Got to do lo- yeah, that's the rugby rant law variations being trialed at the moment with Dave Fee. Uh, <laughs> so with this in mind, gentlemen, you know, you've given your opportunity to be able to speak. We're going to start this round with uh, Dave because he is our guest. We give him the open floor uh, to be able to rant the topic. And again, as a reminder for our viewers, we're talking about Ireland versus the U.S., the proposed matchup to take place in July on the uh, uh, at home for Ireland. Uh, whether it's you know, a good Ty, idea and how may it affect I got to say something, though. You know, I got I to interrupt you a little right. bit. Where, where'd you get that hat? Because... You know me, I love the hats, and that's a, that's Something awesome I swag. Right every there. week, I got to make sure that I give some credit to where it's due. Now, this is the AGs hat, snapback one, bright colors. Obviously, it's all representing the AGs. Uh, and on this occasion, uh, this is all from shopmlr.com, of course, powered by the rugbyshop.com. Yeah, well, he didn't get the memo, Scott, so you know, we're forgiven yeah, this I time. Mean, he went with the dreamsicle uh, look today. And we went with the standard MLR look. Yeah, I mean, because it's not just the it's not just the MLR teams. They have MLR branded items at shopmlr.com, powered by the rugby shop. So if you just want to rep the, the league, um, if you want something team specific, go to shopmlr.com, powered by the rugby shop. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and they've got almost everything that you need there. Uh, thanks for the reminder, because, of course, what we do is not really possible without great people supporting us. And uh, the boys Absolutely. at the rugbyshop.com are certainly that. And, of course, working very tightly with shopmlr.com. I'm so, just holding out for that Chicago MLR franchise, and then I'll make sure I get all back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But until, but until then, I can't throw my loyalties any which way. 
That's why you have the MLR gear, you know, for those guys that are undecided or have not yet found a team close to home. That's why that's why he's been sandbagging Superbrew because he doesn't want to win the gift cards because he's afraid (laughs) he'll actually make a decision. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good reminder there, though. By the way, if you haven't yet participated in the Superbrew contest. Uh, go ahead and check out our competition. Our league is under the name, uh, the Rugby Rant. And you can, of course, join at any time. So regardless whether you have uh, not yet participated or not, each round a new winner is crowned based on the picks that you had made for that round. So anybody has an opportunity to be able to win their share of those shopmlr.com vouchers uh, where you can go and get swag from your favorite team or if you prefer and you're unswayed by uh, any particular team just yet, you can go ahead and get that MLR gear. So once again, make sure that you go and check them out at shopmlr.com. Now, with uh, having paid um, the lighting bill for quite some time now, um, (laughs) we are back on subject, back on point here, talking about the USA Eagles' proposed matchup against Ireland in Ireland, whether it's a great idea for USA Rugby and how may it affect Major League Rugby. We hand the microphone over to Dave. Dave, tell us what you think. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at it from a couple different hats. You know, if, if, if I'm an MLR owner, you know, I may not be too excited about it, right? If, if that's a July test and I'm bringing the guys in six weeks, eight weeks beforehand, I mean, now we're looking into that June time frame. We're building up for the playoffs for the second half of the season. And, and you know, I don't know how, how thrilled I am with guys that are on contract and, and how that all works. You know, if, I, if I'm USA Rugby, sure, a- absolutely. I mean, we want to play those top tier one nations if we get an opportunity to do it. You know, I think it's in, it's in our best interest to do so. Um, you know, for Gary Cold, for Gary Gold, you know, maybe there's some opportunity in there. You know, can he look outside, you know, the traditional norm of players, maybe who are making those final playoff pushes for their MLR teams. Um, but, you know, you also got to look at continuity and, you know, you're looking at some of that Canadian qualifying series down the road. So you want to build that continuity in there as well, too. So, you know, depending on which hat you're looking at it from, I mean, I think there's some great opportunity in there, but there is some real concern if I'm an MLR owner and, you know, if I'm a player, you know, where do I need to be and when do I need to be there and, you know, how that gets all unfolded. You know, there's smarter people in the room than myself to to figure that out. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. You know, First of all, you've got extra time. Would you like to like say hi to mom and dad or something? <laughs> no, I'm just you know fearful of the cheese. You know, I, I'm trying to see you know, how much time I have. I want to make sure I haven't gone over. So, I man, guess, that know. was like that was that was fast <laughs> running rugby there. I appreciate it. Um, so let's rewind and get a couple of those bullet points back from you. So the one thing that I really enjoyed you said um, is that you need to be able to like. Let's boil it down to this. Is it a good idea for the USA uh, rugby or USA Eagles to be able to play against Ireland? Yes, absolutely. You need to be able to play greater competition than yourself to become better. We've kind of been talking and preaching this for, you know, since the show was first born. That, That will never change. So, yes, it's a good idea. But how does that affect this? What's the ripple effect? Now, you spoke about the challenges on the MLR, the teams. So one key thing that you've brought up is, okay, just because a match is proposed in July doesn't mean you rock up the weekend before and suddenly you throw a ball around and you go, hey, let's go play a game of rugby. The preparation starts a month before. So now really you are six to eight weeks out. Uh, you, you've got a really big chunk of time that you might be losing some of your players. So yes, that is crucial. I'm sure that Scott will have a lot to say about that in regards to Rooney and who might be absent there. But before we jump into that, 
The final thing that I love that you said is that at least if that does happen, the upside, the silver lining is Gary Gold can look for other talent outside of the traditional players that are your first picks. Maybe there are some gems yet to be uh, uh, unveiled, right? So there can be an upside there. Um, the, these matches, you have to imagine Ireland would be doing the exact same thing, trying to unearth a lot of talent. So these matches can present those opportunities, and maybe this might be one of them. Scott, what do you think, though? Let's get hot, fellas. So, you know, David made great points. Um, you know, um, the the timing of, the, of this match is a little precarious because of these players in the MLR and their contracts. Here's the thing. If you're talking about even going the route of maybe bleeding in new players, we have players that could be still taken out of key positions from MLR roles, uh, from MLR teams, and then be thrust into that for missing half the season. I mean, it just doesn't come down to, you know, you, you mentioned me talking about Rooney. It doesn't, you know, Nate Brakeley, Dylan Fawcett, Hanko Harmasice, Nick Savetta, probably Charlie Hewitt if they're looking to go the younger route. You know, so that's that's six guys right there that are going to be, you know, could be plucked from the squad going into to half the season. You know, what does that do to a team? But here's the other thing I don't like. Um, you know, I've been preaching this, you know, when they were talking about the British and Irish Lions. Um, we're going to go to another country to play where two things happen. One, we don't get paid or we don't get as much of the pay. And two, our fans might not be able to go watch based on restriction. So in my head, I'm thinking, you know, we're opening up this country a little more. Um, you know, we should really be thinking about what is USA Rugby doing to put some money in those coffers. And when we talked about the All Blacks, that was one of the main things. It wasn't just, oh, we get to play the All Blacks 15s. It was, we're probably going to get a larger percentage that we normally would if we went to New Zealand and traveled there, or if we went to Fiji and traveled there, if we went to Ireland or England and traveled there. Um, the other part is they talked about Ireland playing Japan. Um, I'm wondering if if Team USA, if the Eagles are going to get a second game. And to be honest, it would kind of soften soften my stance on it if you were to say we're going to play Ireland and Japan and have two tune-up games prior to going into the Canadian matches for the for the qualifier. So. You know, I think it's we, we sometimes we have to think a little bit selfishly. And right now, USAR, you know, getting out of bankruptcy and then not really having, um, you know, some of that money there and then going out to play Ireland and really not getting anything. You kind of have to weigh your options. Yeah. Solid points from from Scott. And let's let's break it down to the three. Whether I kind of have as your takeaways. One is. Uh, if it's not on USA soil, we do not get the lion's share of the profits on the revenue. Um, whereas the, the the last time we debated a similar point to this was the uh, proposed matchup in what was it October or November for New Zealand to come and play in Vegas. Now that would be on American soil. They would be the ones operating it. They would be, of course, be looking at the ticket revenues as a great source of income. You lose that on this occasion. The second half of that, again, of course, we spoke about the absence of players. Um, and yes, it can be critical to to teams, especially at the timing that it is. Um, but another point that I that I enjoy that you said is that this might also work out in in a way that is yet to unveil itself or reveal itself, is that it might be a cluster of matches because you have Japan coming over uh, to replace, of course, the the matches that were lost by um, Ireland and Wales and of course England also going elsewhere to play to to play their matches. So they've all kind of stayed close at home, and people are coming to them to be able to play their rugby. So if it did look like it was going to be an Irish match, let's maybe say a Welsh match, and let's say a Japanese uh, uh, matchup as well, would this now be 
three or four events that we could pack into a four-week calendar? Would that be worth it? Could that drive enough revenue if you got a little piece of the pie from each of them? What do you think, Scott? Uh, I do. And again, it's it's not just a one and done tune up match where you come, you play Ireland and then you fly right back home. Um, you know, so if we could if we can roll something into having two or three matches, um, I think that would be one that would help the guys kind of get back to international fitness. Um, you know, sometimes uh, even though they play in the MLR and they're playing this long season, MLR is a little different with their their laws. So sometimes you got to get up to that uh, test fitness, that international test fitness. So I think doing those multiple matches is definitely a, a key. Right. So what you're saying is it boils down to, if we're going to do it, let's do it right and put a few of these games together. Correct. Okay. So let's uh, swing it over to Rob Hammerschmidt and let's see what he thinks. Well, I agree. I mean, we've had obviously international, at least international players had a long layoff for the United States Eagles. So they need to find a way to return to play coming out of COVID. So that's pretty clear. And, and you know, what better way to do that uh, against a tier one nation? Here's the thing. I was on board with a British Lions game or even an England game. I was on board with a, a South Africa game and an All Blacks game. Um, but the kind of the caveat to, to, to that was the fact that those were being talked about and discussed as playing in the United States. So it's obviously going to bring revenue into the United States and into the coffers of USA Rugby because uh, it's obvious, um, you know, when the All Blacks played here in Chicago, when Ireland and the All Blacks played here in Chicago, they were sellouts and they were rousing success. And certainly I think the British and Islanders or Islands, Lions would see great touring groups come here as long as you, you don't have this significant COVID restrictions. Uh, I just don't know that Ireland's going to kind of bring that same that same element because the United States would be going to Ireland. And, and it's proven that they, uh, that World Rugby has not really done a great revenue sharing component with lesser tier two nations, by the way, right? So, um, you know, we haven't been very good at negotiating some of those monies. And that's the thing that concerns me is we'd be losing a lot of players for MLR, MLR teams would be at a disadvantage, and it's not quite clear that the United States would get a lot of revenue as a result, and we'd have to spend a lot of money that we don't have to go tour and travel and prepare. Um, but we got to find a way out of um, COVID and into our international test window. Um, so it's it's tough to say how that would that would happen, and it has to happen before the ARC is here in November. Right. Um, so, but, but the other thing is um, I, I really, the frustrating part is it's really too late for MLR teams to make adjustments. I mean, in 2019, they knew when ARCs were going to be. And so teams like Toronto suffered initially up front, but they kind of planned for it. I don't know, Dave, if you were a GM of a team, how would you deal with that? Yeah. You know, I think that it's something they're looking at and, you know, potentially that's why, you know, they want to smooth the season up, you know, as early as February. Right. So it doesn't come into these, you know, international windows. Um, but yeah, if I'm an international or if I'm an MLR owner and I've got to give up, you know, uh, five or six of my guys that are putting us into the standings and putting us into those playoffs and then we lose them. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a tough ask. Right. And I agree with you there because the one thing that is kind of a common thread through many of the teams and some are suffering more than others, you know, what comes to mind is the Legion as a great example is the depth in these positions. Uh, they just don't have, you know, you know, not all teams have three guys that could start on, you know, at the same level every week, uh, you know, so yeah, it's going to hurt them if, if they you're taking your starting guys and, you know, you don't really have the depth in those positions. And then you're on the back of that, a couple of injuries come in play. What are your thoughts guys? 
Absolutely. I don't think there's a question that that's a, that that's problematic for a lot of owners. And again, I think it goes back to planning. I think if you, a year in advance, you know, the AR season 2019 are going to happen a year in advance. Teams are preparing for it, right? They GMs are building their rosters knowing, Hey, look, we're going to lose players for X amount of weeks. So we've got to be able to withstand that. Right. But we're, we're here. It is May. And and we're talking about an Ireland test match in July. I mean, that's a really, I think that's unfair to ask GMs to be able to manage that, um, you know, given given the, the, the need for the depth of the rosters uh, right in the middle of the season. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I, I think that is a great point. You know, when you talk about the depth of the rosters, I mean, they're already 35, 40 deep. And, yeah. you know, inju- injuries are already a concern, right? Yeah. And so, you know, how, how much further do can you expand it and, you know, that comes at a salary cost as well and, and a cost to each team and, you know, all that that goes with it. Yeah, definitely. I want to circle back around to something that uh, Scott had said is, you know, USA Rugby already, I mean, it, it wasn't so long ago that there was a bankruptcy case and they're still trying to be able to make their way out of some muddy waters. So, you know, we have to be able to think about the financial implications as well. I mean, you would have to think if they're going to go do this, it must be financially viable. We don't know the details of such, um, but it really must it must be a, a, a partnership of value for both both sides. The only success can't be the fact that, oh, we've participated and we're competitive against top tier nation. That's no longer a measurement of success. It's not acceptable. Right, Scott? Correct. And, you know, if you go back to last time Ireland came uh, to New York, I was at that match, you know, they were kind of testing some new guys out and, you know, it was, it, it was nice. It was good. They filled the stadium. Red Bull arena was packed to the rafters with Irish American and pretty much just rugby supporters. You know, it's New York. So there's a lot of different people there. They wanted to come see test matches, but I want to bring you back guys back to 2019. And here's the, here's what scares me. And we talked about maybe they're going to go with a young, team and here's why i don't think so so go back to 2019 the mlr season finishes out they have the arcs right and gary gold kind of experimented with a bunch of guys that we then didn't see on the world cup roster and then what happened to the world cup we we didn't have the best results right so i think especially coming out since we haven't played anything since 2019 we're gonna need to have that synergy going from match to match to match to match where you can't really experiment with the roster as much as i think you know, we're thinking about, you know, we have to come to the realization they haven't played in two years. You have to get your top guys in to get that synergy. So that way, when we go and play Canada, we beat them twice to get the qualifier, you know, and then roll on through that way. So I don't think it, I think it's going to be more of the guys we've seen, you know, rugby world cup guys who are in the MLR being selected and being pulled out. And then that's a fair point. I mean, how much opportunity do you have to be able to mess around with these schedules? Not much. Uh, I agree with you. Yeah. I mean, that's a good point because ultimately the, the worst case scenario would be not qualifying for a rugby world cup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's go back to the original question here and, uh, and, and let's dig into that. You know, is it wise uh, to have the USA Eagles, uh, you know, uh, challenge, uh, Ireland on Irish soil. I mean, I feel if I had to answer that, yes, you want to be able to have that competition. Is the timing right? Probably not. Um, but the concept is right. 
and 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 goes back to what Rob said is that you know this is this the timing is is awful. It's it's almost unfair. You kind of all echoed that in terms of the ownership, uh, the how it affects the teams. But I also got to wonder if you were sitting and you were asking a player. What would their perception be? What is their thought? You know, if you were asking a Nick Savetta or any other uh, candidate for, for the USA Eagles, what would they say? Would they be happy to be able to leave their team for that period and go over abroad uh, to be able to apply their trade for, for national colors? Uh, Dave, what would you say? Yeah, I mean, I think the answer is yes. I mean, you get the opportunity to represent your country, you, you take it, you know, and, and I don't, you know, I think it is country over, over club. Um, you know, typically, and it's, it's, it's the, the highest honor that any of our guys, you know, have the opportunity to do. So, you know, if, that, if that's what's you know, being called upon, you know, let's be honest, you know, we're coming out of a, a, a whole COVID year plus another COVID hangover year. So I think a lot of people are itching just to get back on the field again as well, as well too. So, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, down in Houston or Atlanta or DC or over in, in Dublin, you know, I, I think, you know, a lot of guys just want to get out and play and, and I think that the opportunity to answer that call to play for your country is is, is pretty much a no brainer, and you know that they they would do it. Right. I, I I mean, if I were in a similar position, I would feel the same way. What do you guys think, Rob? Well, I'd echo Dave. I mean, he knows he's he's been there himself. When you're right. asked and called upon to to play for your country, you don't say pass. Uh, no, you do it because it's the greatest honor and it's the pinnacle of, of your career. I mean, just look at what's on the back of Dave's wall. It's, it's, it's pretty obvious that those opportunities meant a lot to him. So I can't imagine players turning that down. That being said, I mean, the question I think is really, you know, how do we navigate this? If you're USA Rugby, you obviously want to have a good relationship with the MLR because it's a, certainly a source uh, uh, for your players to get week in and week out uh, right. good rugby experiences to hone their craft, right? So you don't want to irritate them. So how do you do it? You know, should USA Rugby ask for special dispensation to allow for you know a test a test match or two in late September, early October, so that they're ready to go for the ARCs? I don't, maybe does 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 World Rugby allow for that? That's I, I'm not equipped to answer that question, but that's that would be for me the ideal. Um, it would give players a little bit of time off, um, but um, it would still allow them to get back into um, yeah. So you know, one fitness. possible solution that I saw being thrown around online, and I'll swing this over to 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 Scott to be able to respond to this one. And, and again, this is just fans speaking, um, and 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 maybe there's some merit to it. Only time will tell. But there was, uh, you know, these thoughts floating around that if there was this that um, a USA Rugby would come to an agreement with the MLR partners. They, they would have the opportunity as a quota to be able to choose, let's say, three players from each team to a maximum amount. This way, mitigating some of the impact that they have, and they would have to more wisely choose, instead of just going with the greatest squad of 50 guys collectively, um, they'd be forced to be able to pick players for certain positions. And this kind of ties back into what Scott was saying, is that you're more likely to go to uh, to pick those guys that have already got a, a tradition with them, perhaps the last World Cup squad. So I'm going to swing it over to you. What do you think of this as a possible solution, Scott? I think it's a great solution. You know, we've you know, MLR and, and USA Rugby have come to the agreement to release players for international duty, just like all the other professional leagues have with their with their unions. Um, I do think it's a great solution. I think it's a great compromise, and I think it's something that every MLR fan can accept um, because, you know, these guys do want to play internationally. And I also, I, I really want to 
you know, the, going back to these guys wanting to play, obviously Dave knows. Um, and Dave, Dave, Dave wanted to play so badly that before we were recording, we were BSing and he was saying all those kits on his wall were in a box and he was moving them from place to place. And everybody was like, what the hell is this? And he was like, you'll see, I'll have a man cave one day and get to display all of my favorite things. And there you have it. Congrats, Dave. Um, but I, I think for me, it's tough this year. Okay. So let's think about next year, right? If we're going to be scheduling tests in August and September and October, are we going back to the February start time for MLR? You know, a lot of people were like, oh, this is much better now in March. The March start time was, was, was better, but now we're running into the international problems. And I think it's just, a, it's one of those things where we need to get this international matches in. Don't get me wrong. You know, we're going to have to do it the way we need to do it to get prepared to, to eventually beat Canada, hopefully. <clears throat> but I think now we have to realize what's going to happen next season. Are we, is MLR coming back? to a February start time, or are we going to start in March again and be in the same position? I would hope that these conversations, like now, yes, they're focused on this as like priority, but you would almost want to be engaging those conversations right now for next year, because otherwise it's going to be presented with the same thing next year when it lands on your doorstep and you're unprepared, right? Um, mm-hmm. But then the other half of that is that World Rugby is debating a new international calendar as well. So you still got those factors to consider that you might be making a plan and they've got a completely different plan in, in the works as well. So how much communication sure. is there between all these partners? I mean, it's already difficult enough here in the U.S. Uh, when you have to start putting several international partners together, it only becomes more difficult, right? And, and that's where I think um, USA Rugby needs to be a partner with the MLR, right? They, they need to work together. And the MLR says, look, we'll, we'll adapt and work with you, but you got to be a mouthpiece for us as yeah. well and let World Rugby know how we feel, right? And so they need to advocate in, you know, on behalf of MLR right. to make that happen. I mean, I, I want to go back to Scott's point, uh, to the point you talked about earlier in terms of a quota. And, and initially when I heard that, I went, oh, that's not a bad idea. I could live with that compromise. But then I started thinking about it from the player. And, and Dave here, you could probably chime in. Is it fair to do to players? I mean, a guy like Cam Dolan's not, he's 51 caps, you know, um, he's 31 or 32. And is a guy like that saying, look, I'd like to, I'd like to get a few more, uh, a few more caps out of these legs before I hang them up. And he's being, I mean, that, that power is being taken out of the player's hands and being directed elsewhere. And I don't know that that's quite fair either. Um, You know, I'm just a little uncomfortable with that. But Rob, here's the thing. There was quite a lot of players who are playing MLR in 2020 that aren't playing in 2021 because the season ended and then things changed and it, that was their last go around and they're not looking at teams and that was just ripped from them and there was nothing they could do about it because of the yeah, situation but, but that, we were but that was through but so, that was through the pandemic i mean that wasn't i know but this is but because of choice. because that was yeah, no but this is because a, of the pandemic a, a, a non-human but this is factor gonna, but this is like somebody is telling me i can't play in an international test because i'm not one of the three quota players and i just I have a problem. I, I haven't. I have a problem. Yeah, with I, I think I, I, I think the quota. I think the quota thing is is is, is problematic. Um, but but hopefully this is a temporary problem, right? Yeah. I mean, right. Yes, Given the conditions, it's a, problem, it's a problem this year. It's a problem next year. Right. But I know that you've had one of my former teammates on, in, in Dan Lyle, and when you talk about the commercialization of the game, one of the biggest struggles is this calendar, right? And being right. able to plan and to work with sponsors, not. You know, not three weeks, six months, you know, in advance, but years in advance. And so 
you know, I, I heard the word partnership and, and I think there is a partnership with USA Rugby and the MLR and, you know, hopefully there is an opportunity and, you know, we have some short term, you know, problems, but, uh, but again, hopefully, you know, four or five years from now, we, we have enough players that, you know, they can, you know, rest some guys and, and give, you know, the guys like Roderick Waters, you know, and guys who are putting their hand up to say, Hey, right. you know, you know give, give me a shot at, at that level to, you know, m- m- maybe have a look and build some of that continuity. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I think a, a calendar, you know, and working with world rugby, you know, to, to allow for these windows, you know, is important. Right. I mean, as it's right, said, we, we know from George Killebrew, who was on our show on March 17th, that he sees the USA uh, uh, Rugby Organization and the MLR as working as partners, right? They're, they're, the success is mutual. So, yes, I think that that is one of the focuses. Um, I, I just want, also wanted to be able to add that, you know, when you're talking about these international matchups and working, you know, towards bettering your team through greater experience, playing better teams, that normally has to be able to start two years out from a Rugby World Cup. So right now, you're not planning for for now. You're not planning for next year. You're planning to 2023 and moving out of that next World Cup, right? So there's a lot to be able to plan ahead to now. You know, Ty, I just want to go back to Rob's point about, you know, is it fair? We're talking about this only happening for one test match, you know, if we did the quota, because everything else will be outside the MLR schedule. So to, to do it, Potentially, you hear yourself talk about packaging Wales, Japan, Ireland, potentially. That's not one test. Yeah, okay. And I know, but what what I'm saying is, and then guess what? Then after that, we're playing Canada twice and then we're playing New Zealand. So, you know, my my point is, you're talking about it for that specific window. I don't see a problem with that. I got it. it. If you're a young young 23 or 24 year old guy, and and I don't know how old Fawcett is, um, I think he's like, what, 28? About something like that. But if you're a 23, 24 year old guy, like I like Wangalewski, he's got plenty of opportunities. He knows he's going to get them. But again, like a guy like Cam Dolan, um, you know, somebody like that. I mean, you know, you don't get so you think he's not good enough. You think he's good enough to play that? I'm saying that he's already lost a year and a half later. He's yeah, everybody's looking potentially. Rob, I understand that. But my point is, and if I'm the head coach of the USA national team, and you know, I don't want to be told, "Hey, I can only take right. three guys from each team." You know that that, that you know that, that that's a perspective, you know, that I, I mean, guess wouldn't sit well either. If I was an MLR owner, I wouldn't want to have to give everybody say, up. I want Cam Dolan in my lineout. I need him. He's going to run my lineout for me, and you're not giving me the opportunity to pick him. Rob, if it were up to you, everybody in the USA squad would be from yeah. Nola. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, can you think of a better guy to run a lineout than him? And, and you're going to talk about Okay, but my point is then, okay, then he's one of the selections, but then he's one of the selections. So I don't know what you're complaining about. Well, yeah, you yeah, can't yeah, be using just, just an ex- I mean, that's an example. Well, I agree with thought in this sense. Okay, so if there are only three spots, what's the difference between me telling you there are three spots, be one of the three, be better than anybody else? at that job because it's a meritocracy right you don't you don't just have it uh, uh, given to you but my point is if there's only three spots what's the difference between saying there's three spots or there's six spots you still got to be one of the allotted spots and you got to work harder than everybody else to get there so if he happens to be that pick because he earned it great but if he's but you can't have sour grapes because you were number four and in a normal scenario you would have been in that squad you know it is what it is I well, and and that may be. Here's here's a hang up too. Think of it on the back end of that. If you're the number four, number five guy, and let's just say it's a guy like Michael Duvall who's on the cusp of establishing himself, like, and he's playing really well this year, right? Um, normally, he might get called into the side, 
and he might get called into, you know, a 52 man roster or maybe a guy like Richard Hedding, who's yeah. got some, who, who's, who's getting towards the top end of what an international player might play at, who wants to do shopping a bit that got to get an opportunity. I tell right? you where that will become important is you're going to have potentially three matchups with this core group of players. Imagine that quota system exists. So you've got this core group of players now coming out of the MLR season and moving into the qualifiers. You now can bring in that talent for the depth and the fresh legs and sprinkle it in between. So actually, I think it's beneficial that way. Um. But what about the it's synergy? Just another thing what Rob about and I the synergy Scott talked about developing <laughs> earlier? Yeah, but you know what? Life. It didn't matter in 2019. So at this point, who gives a shit? <laughs> right? I mean, this, this right? is why I'm glad I'm on the show. This is what I wanted. This is what I came to see. This is what I wanted. Yeah. Thank you, Rob. Thank you. Are you yeah. not entertained? Just like, bring me the popcorn. I can watch this show all night. <laughs> <laughs> well, gentlemen, you know, it, it is exactly why we do this show. And and Dave, you just reminded us again why we like doing it. And we hope for those of you back at home enjoy it. Uh, if you've been watching thus far, it would suggest you do. <laughs> but it, it, it's really an interesting debate. And there's so many different angles to come from. But let's try and boil it down to, to the crux of it all. Is it wise for the USA rugby to participate in these matches overseas, whether it be uh, Ireland, England, whatever version it may be, for us to be able to transplant our core players in MLR across the pond uh, for, for weeks on end? And how will that affect the rugby back here in the domestic league that is providing that platform for them to continue their rugby? Uh, and of course, set up those teams for success. So we're going to swing it one more time around the table for final thoughts, starting with Dave. So, so is it worth it? Yes. Um, you know, to, to steal something from Scott, there has to be a, a business, you know, related venture as a result. I think we have to get something out of it. The, the what's in it for me, so to speak. Um, and, you know, it's also a business for those MLR owners. So do they get compensated? Is there something for them as a result of, of these players being, you know, taken for this window? So, you know, to, to wrap it up, I think the answer is yes. I think it's something we need to continue to do play those tier one countries. Hopefully we can financially, um, you know, benefit from it and, you know, not have it be at a huge detriment to right. the MLR and help them develop, you know, guys underneath them. So in summary, find a way or make a way, just make sure you don't go into uh, the red. <laughs> All right. So let's hand it over to Scott Ferrara. Final thoughts, please. Uh, well, Dave just stole my main point, but to be honest, I'm not sure it's so wise um, right now, again, uh, for a multitude of issues, one, one, one being the finances and two, um, it's definitely going to mess with what, what's happening in the MLR. So, yeah, absolutely. It definitely is going to have an impact far and wide and for some teams more than others, right? Potentially. Mm -hmm. Um, so let's, uh, hear from, uh, Rob, your final thoughts. Uh, uh, like I said, to begin with, um, I, you want to play tier one nations. You definitely got to get your internationals, um, blooded a little bit before the ARCs. So it comes down to a cost benefit analysis. And that's where Dave addressed that. Can you make the benefits, um, whether they be the financial benefits or, and the on playing benefits worth the cost? Cause remember, you're going to have to be in during the ARCs paying for your teams to travel. And there's not going to be the revenue generated from the fan base you know, like there would be in England or Wales or, mm -hmm. or Ireland. So, um, you know, the dollars and cents have to make, a, you know, um, make sense for, for USA rugby. 
the dollars and cents need to make sense. Yep. <laughs> it all needs to make sense. I see you on the house. So, yeah. <laughs> I agree. Um, you know, gentlemen, it has been a really good debate. Uh, we, we've gone several layers deep in this. Um, I do want to get a final thought, though. Let's just imagine that the quota system was introduced. You had a limit to the amount of players you could choose from one side at a time for this national selection. Do you like it or don't you like it? I don't even know. I need to know why. Just do you like it or don't you like it, Dave? No. Okay. Scott? Yes. Rob? No. All right. I'll say yes. So it's a 50-50. All right. <laughs> so it's split. So the debate continues on another occasion. Gentlemen, right now we need to be able to take time away to be able to hear from our sponsors. And before we do that, I want to be able to remind our viewers at home, if you like what we do, go ahead and hit those like, subscribe, rate, and review us under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. You can find us through all of your social media networks, of course, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok under the same handle at Rugby Rant Pod, where you can also find us through your streaming audio service uh, by podcast under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. We're going to take a quick break here while we hear from our sponsors and we'll be back shortly with the next round to be able to talk about Toronto and NOLA in this game analysis. So we'll be back shortly. Rugby Coffee was born out of two passions, providing ethically sourced coffee and promoting growth and development of rugby. By combining these two passions, the folks folks at Rugby Coffee see an opportunity to bring people together. And together, we can make a difference. Rugby Coffee invests 10% of their profits into giving kids opportunities to play rugby and projects that help uplift communities. These endeavors have been transformational in many kids' lives and have uplifted and empowered these communities. The boys at Rugby Coffee have launched three distinct brews, which you can pre-order right now. Be the first to pre-order the North American Blend. So they have the Jouet Jouet Champions Cup and Crowd Favorite, which is indeed the North American blend. All are available for you to pre-order. Each brew has its own unique style and flavor. Get your brew and support youth rugby. A simple vision can be transformational. Rugby as a sport can inspire communities, bring hope, and provide opportunity. Rugby coffee, it's not just a game, it's a way of life. Tidehead Brewing is Chicago's premier location to watch rugby and enjoy quality ales and lagers for all seasons. Located in Mundelein, Illinois, in the heart of Lake County, owner Bruce Durr and the Tighthead staff will ensure you are kept well hydrated so you don't miss a single scrum. Tighthead's tap room is like the familiar rugby clubhouse in which friends and families can meet, socialize, and enjoy the action of every Major League Rugby Derby that will electrify the 2021 season. The watch parties will happen every week through the season up to the Major League Rugby Final on August 1st. Hey, Chicago, when you want rugby, Tighthead Brewing Company will satisfy your thirst. Tighthead, it's worth more than a try. Welcome back, rugby fans. Of course, this is the Rugby Debate Show you know and love as the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. Reintroduction, my name is Ty Brogger, the host for today's activities alongside Dave Fee, joining us battling, of course, the familiar faces of Scott Ferrara and Rob Hammerschmidt in this segment where we are going to dig deep into the analysis See what these people think about the game between NOLA and, of course, the Arrows of this past round in Major League Rugby. Now, the final result 
sure everybody knows it, but let's, of course, clear it again. 22-14 and a surprise from many if you were watching most of that game, right? Uh, so we, we're not going to jump into to, to that detail right now, or at least I don't want to share more of that. But in fact, I'm going to hand it over to, uh, to Dave to be able to give us his first initial thoughts about this matchup between Toronto and, of course, Nola Gold. So the floor is yours. Dave, take us away. Yeah, uh, you know, it wasn't the most exciting uh, game of rugby to watch. Uh, you know, a lot of errors. You know, it was one of those games where it was almost who was going to lose as opposed to who was going to step up and win. And, um, you know, due to the beauty of the rugby network, I actually saw the score beforehand. And, you know, there I was sitting 60 minutes in wondering how New Orleans is going to pull this out, you know, down 14 nothing in the last 20. So, you know, kudos to some of the guys who came off the bench for them. Um, O'Toole, Damian Stevens, I think is an excellent scrum half, always gives them a big spark. spark. Uh, Bursich, I thought, had a decent game off the bench. Um, and really, you know, the difference was probably, you know, a couple uh, Devin Short poaches. Uh, you know, again, not, not an exciting game. You know, uh, uh, it was 22-14, but you could argue that that last try probably should have came off the board. It was, you know, clear Whoa! obstruction. It was, uh, Clear obstruction, which may beg the argument, you know, for some sort of TMO. And, uh, you know, I know te technologically wise, we're probably not there yet. But again, a, a really close game. Uh, you know, uh, Toronto, I think, suffered in their lineouts. You know, they were probably within 80 percent there. And that could have been, you know, the different the difference there as well, too. So, you know, again, not not the most exciting game. I think New Orleans was happy to pull it out, but they'd probably admit it themselves that it wasn't right. uh, their best effort. Well, you know, when you talk about the, 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 the infringements, the number of handling errors, the discipline, and all these things have been kind of common themes that people have been talking about with all of the Major League Rugby games. And again, it kind of ties into the fact that there was no real preseason where you could kind of shake off the rust. Um, but now we're, 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 what, seven weeks in here, guys? I mean, is that still valid? I mean, shouldn't we be seeing cleaner rugby at this point? What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I think at this stage of the game, these guys, you know, need to clean it up, um, especially if they're looking for opportunities to compete in a United States jersey for some of these mm -hmm. young Americans. Um, but yeah, I think the handling errors, you know, are a lot. Um, I think there's a lot of kicking errors. There's a lot of choices to not take points uh, in a lot of these games. And, you know, mm -hmm. maybe it is just some of the experimentation, you know, early on in the season. But, but like you said, seven weeks in, I'd expect it to get a little bit cleaner at this point. Right. Scott, what are some of your thoughts? Well, first off, you know, I know it. the wind did play a factor. You saw um, it, it affected NOLA in the first half and Toronto in the second half. Um, and NOLA played a typical NOLA game with a lot of their penalties conceded. I think they conceded 10 penalties. Um, time of possession, you know, while NOLA had time of possession in the first half, to be honest, um, they didn't do well exiting and getting to the opposition's uh, side of the field. Um, the other big thing I felt, you know, the turnovers were kind of even, you know, I think Toronto just had three more turnovers or, or one, three more turnovers than, than uh, Nola did. So, you know, I don't know, you know, it, timely poaching as David was talking about at the, at the end of the match is something that, that helped them propel them to win. And to be honest, I don't know. I think, you know, you were talking about, you know, should they, should, should they, these errors not happen. And I just feel like for whatever reason, that's Nola's MO to do that. Um, what I do have to say is I think that Toronto in the second half with uh, Tusselet coming out, 
their exit kicks uh, really, you know, downgraded um, because he was out there and their counterattack kind of stopped working. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, how big of an impact that had on the Toronto squad going into the second half. Yeah. I mean, those are good points. And let's like look at some of those, those stats that you had mentioned, you know, you were talking about penalties conceded. This is an important metric. Um, when you talk about the discipline of a team, right. And Nola was at 10, uh, at least that's what the record I have here. Then you have in the opposite corner arrows at 15, which is almost uncharacteristic for them to have higher, um, than what the, than it would be. Nola, I, I honestly, if, if I wasn't looking at the stats, and I judged them on previous games, I would have thought they would have had the higher infringement rate there. Um, but, you know, these are important metrics. And then when you talk about, um, I think you spoke about, you know, the, the, the territory and the lineouts. Actually, Dave, you spoke about lineouts. Look at this number. 19 lineouts won for Nola against uh, Arrows 6. Now, you know, that's a lot of set-piece ball that you have to be able to set up some, some, some running rugby, some really great attacking uh, phases. Um, puts you in pretty good position, right? So, you know, are these really the, the, the stats that tell the game? No, absolutely not. There's a lot of rugby in between. And I want to be able to swing it over to the largest NOLA fan that we all know, of course, Mr. <laughs> Rob Hattishman, to hear his thoughts before we all have open floor. <laughs> so, um, Dave, frankly, I'm quite offended that you would attack my NOLA team like you did and, and the team. Oh, cry, baby. <laughs> no, seriously. Um, yeah, it was, it, it, I think it's a legitimate point. Uh, although I got to tell you, I think Toronto had a couple forward passes. One led to a try there. I think their second try I thought looked pretty forward, but nevertheless, this was a tale of two halves. It was like Jekyll and Hyde, you know, uh, NOLA couldn't get out of their own way. First half Toronto couldn't get out of their own way. Second half, you know, so like Toronto was 14 up at half. Uh, Nola won the second half 22 nothing. So they right. blitzed each other in each of the two halves, which I thought was kind of interesting. We go back to penalties, which we've all talked a bit about, and I've spoken about the last couple of weeks. It's like a broken record, right? So um, it was interesting. Toronto got a yellow card. Uh, Taylor Adams, number 10, took him out of the game at 67 minutes. That was a critical yellow card because it took away their playmaker and took away their kicker. Um, you know, Noah converts that penalty to take the lead 15-14 uh, and turns the game around. Uh, they score a couple tries and really, um, you know, it makes the difference and they break it back. Um, Toronto missed two penalties at critical points at 50-30, uh, which they would have, sorry, excuse me, 12 minutes, it would have put them up 17 nothing, And at 50-30, it would have put them up 20 to nothing had they missed two, those two penalties. But they missed them and they it allowed Nola to stay in the game for the second half. And I, for me... I kept writing down something, a word uh, for Nola at, throughout the game almost, it, most of the second half for sure, execution. They were in the green zone five times. They blew two lineouts in the first half, um, two poor lineout throws, one poor scrum, two poor handling errors. In the second half, uh, they had a knock on after a five-meter scrum, and they had a lineout uh, from a poor throw. Right. I this mean, is kind of indicative just, of what's happened in some of their past games too. Yeah. In that final five – 10, you know, leading up to, to the try line, those are the critical moments that separate a good team from a great team. Um, and some of the pieces just quite aren't gelling. And this is where I circle back around to my first question is seven weeks in, should we be looking at this consistently getting better or is it more or less staying the same? I mean, in your opinion, obviously as a hardcore NOLA fan, what is your thought there, Rob? Uh, it was frustrating as hell. 
It really was. And I, I, mean, I would have expected it to change frustration uh, week after week. Yeah, yeah, but I would have expected it to get better. Here's the thing. Don't forget, there were a ton of lineup changes for Nola. I mean, they played Cam Dolan at, at, at in the second row. They brought in Devin Short, and I understand Nate Osborne's desire here. He wanted to get Devin Short, and Andrew Guerra, and Moni Tungawea all in the back row at the same time. And arguably, right. they all had really nice games. Uh, but, you know, they're displacing Cam Dolan in that situation. And then, you know, of course, um, they moved Carl Meyer up to 10, right? Um, he he went out with an HIA uh, later on. Um, but they, Hanno Dirksen went back to 15, so they played a lot of guys out of position. And so in some ways, I think it was a reflection of that piece um, to some degree. Well, you know, you know Robin, I, I would agree to that. You know, when you look how wide the first two tries for Toronto, one, I think Montero from Toronto is an absolute beast. Um, yeah, yeah amazing. He, he, he's a beast. But, but you know, I think Tim Maupin's coming back. You know, he, he's probably past his prime. You know, no offense, Timmy, but, uh, you know, he's probably past his prime. And I think Hano's just coming in as well, too, you know, slotting yeah. in. And I think, you know, both of their tries that were out wide where you know, Timmy got beat, I think, on the second one and Hano bit down on the first one. So, there is some continuity there and, you know, giving guys a rest and, you know, it's an eight, it's 16 game season. So they'll probably need to do that, you know, at times. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I want to talk, I want to talk about what Dave was talking about saying, maybe, you know, teams are attempting to score the try and say, take the penalty points at certain mm-hmm. um, places in the match. And I think that's going to be more indicative of matches that are, uh, that are East coast versus East coast and West coast versus, versus West coast, because those bonus points, against those teams and making sure that the opposing team doesn't get a bonus point against you. Um, you know, it's one thing to just say, Hey, we got the bonus point win in five, but you know, uh, Nola beat uh, Atlanta by five and Atlanta scored four tries. So really in the, in the conference standings, it was only a net gain three to Nola and, you know, maybe Nola was behind Atlanta, you know? So, so what does that do? Okay. Nola, that puts Nola in front of Atlanta by one point, but then going into next week, what happens? So I think you're seeing that, Kicking to the corner, kicking into touch on penalties versus taking the points against conference opponents because of that. I don't Nola, know if there's Nola that actually much lost to it, to it on the field. I just I don't know if and we've we've. Said I know this they lost to Atlanta, measure. Rob. I was using it as an example. Jesus Christ! Yeah, but we 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 we've kind of had a similar conversation in, in around that topic where we see some teams taking a quick tap instead of a five-meter scrum. When you're obviously in a great scoring position, why rush it? And then they drop it, right? Or there's some infringement that, that takes the, uh, the scoring opportunity away. So I guess kind of the, the, the you know, more true to your uh, thought process there, Scott, is why aren't teams taking the points on offer more often, right? Um, is, is, you know, I mean, Dave, you, you kind of alluded to this in the beginning, What's your thinking? I mean, do you see that happening again and again, that they're just not playing uh, smart rugby? I don't know if it's not playing smart rugby or if it's the, you know, advantageous laws that are now helping, you know, these malls, right? I mean, I think, you know, you brought up somewhere in in the lineouts, you know, for New Orleans in that game, it was 40% of their possessions were off of the lineout. So, you know, obviously they're putting a lot of, so if I'm looking at that, then 40% of my possessions are coming from a lineout hope we're working on them a lot right if that's what we're getting 40 percent of our possession so they probably have some good stuff in there and if you can kick to the corners and take advantage of a mall close to the line either get a penalty uh, you know i think that's what teams are looking to do um but i'm kind of of an old school mentality of if you have points on the board that's you know, especially, the same as me 
Yeah, especially when it's key moments, right? When there's zeros. I mean, when you're separated here by by small margins, which many of the games are, those yeah. are the critical moments that that can then turn the game around for you uh, at the exact time where you need it. Well, that's so, what I was talking about last week, right? It's all about being selective as to when you take points versus and and where you take them from, right. as opposed to when you go to the corner. Like Nola had the opportunity to go up, and I'm screaming at the television, "Take the points! Take the points!" because it's going to put them up on the scoreboard by one and it was in front of the sticks and mm. it was a good, nice shot. But you know, when they get a penalty later on, I'm going, go to the corner, go to the corner because with the wind, it was going to be a tougher kick right. and I they can have a lot that. of success with them all. And that's yeah, the I mean, one, if, by if the way, they scored on with Cam Dolan that got them rolling. Well, there was off, a, there love was affair a, with Cam Dolan's a little, you know, well, I was going to say there was a key momentum hey, he's, point. Like, late he's, the first when I moved down to New Orleans, he's taken me out to show me houses. So uh, we've already got that all worked out. He's my boy. Well, and I was going to, you know, say, you know, Rob, at the end of the first half, New Orleans is down 14 to nothing. They have a yeah. scrum right in front of the sticks, you know, I th- and, and, you know, they get blown up in the scrum where I yeah. thought, you know, hey, had they gotten that zero off of the board potentially, you know, had they had the opportunity. Yeah, Man, at the end of the day, who cares how the points uh, have come up there? A win is a win, right? It might not be the most pretty rugby, and I tell you there are top nations around the globe that have been cursed because they don't play that two. brand of rugby. Yeah, um, two, so two, two line breaks they had. How do you win a game when you have two line breaks? Right. I mean, as I mean, there wasn't many in total. I mean, Nola uh, had two, and then you have Arrows on record with four. Um you know, one of the statistics that I think that the I think about work rate, and you know, rugby is a game of mismatches, and the way that you create those mismatches often is by tiring the other team out, right? They're just not able to get up and down and up and down for as long. And when you look at the stats over here, you've got sixty three percent of the position uh, possession uh, in favor of Nola. What does that mean? They got a lot of ball in hand, which means that the arrows have to defend more often. So the tackles that are made is, is literally double. So you got 75 recorded for Nola to double that uh, with 150 for the arrows. They had to work hard right. and they had to, of course, uh, be doing it for much longer than Nola. Well, it's funny because the commentators, Ian McNulty was kind of making that point, right? Is that that was kind of the arrows were just, Hey, let's defend, 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 defend. And eventually they're going to make a mistake. Somebody will cough right. the ball up. Somebody will knock it on. Somebody will, you know, um, fatigue sets in turnover because fatigue sets in and then they'll make the most use of their possession, which they did in the first half. Well, right. Rob, was that a good strategy then to put an additional flanker on the field? Right. I mean, you know, if, you know, Cam Dillon moves into the lock position and now you have, you know, Devin Shore, Tangawea, uh, Andrew Guerra, all just, workers right I mean, those are worker bees who probably right you know put put the grinding it out right up front there and 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 in the last last 20 it paid off yeah and and quite honestly i mean if who do i take off (laughs) if one of those three i don't know that i could have you know had a a good answer because moni's been playing out of his mind and devin certainly had a good game and andrew's been playing solid so it's a really it's a tough call yeah and being eight well, let's uh, circle around again, and uh, I know that uh, we started with uh, with Dave, so let's go ahead and uh, get your final thoughts in this matchup. Uh, exciting, not exciting, key points to be able to have as takeaways as they move into the next matchup. What does each team need to focus on? Again, you'd love to see uh, New Orleans just you know find some continuity. I, I think Toronto still has a lot of upside. Um, you know, again, I think it was an off day for them, but I still like right. Massage. I still love Montero. Um, I like what they do up in their forward pack. So I think they'll be okay. 
I think New Orleans does have to find some you know, consistency in what they do if they're going to make a big play down the road. Right. Fair point. Scott, what are some of your final thoughts? Um, I think they have to learn. Toronto has to learn to make some adjustments when they know that things like, you know, they had uh, their, their 10 off the field for a card and their 15 off the field doing it due to an injury. So that changed the way they had to do exit kicks facing the wind. And they should probably should have changed up the way they were doing it. And I didn't see any adjustments to that in the second half. And I think that was indicative of Nola having possession of the ball so much and, and running it on them. Um, so I think Toronto's ha- it has to be adjustments going into the second half if it's not working for you. And Nola is the same thing we say every week about Nola, man. Just stop with the penalties and the handling errors. Right. It's the same story each week. Rob? Um, I'll go back to the word I said earlier, execution. I'd like fans to watch L.A. next this week. Mm-hmm. Okay, Watch L.A. and watch the level of execution that they have in comparison to other teams around the league, but specifically go ahead and compare them to New Orleans. Right. And and see see if you notice with the naked eye the difference, um, but I, and I the like the pace it, at which they do it. At the pace at which they do it. I mean, the ball is so fast coming out of it. But um, uh, I, I would throw a shout out to Toronto's uh, Luke uh, to Rumball. The guy was freaking lights out. I mean, he is he is definitely got to be one of the top flankers in certainly in the East, if not all of the MLR. He's been lights out at the poach, at the jackal. Right. And, you know, we have to be able to recognize that while NOLA has had some pretty inconsistent results, um, it's just about cleaning up their game. And you kind of get the feeling that all of it's going to come together once they can reduce those infringements, once they can make those those, uh, those passes at the right time, and a few key decisions being uh, uh, dealt with there. But, you know, the combination of players that they've got, they're obviously a dynamic side. They do have two or three deep in some key positions. So you feel like they've got the power to be able to do this. Uh, the machine just isn't quite rolling on all, uh, uh, firing on all cylinders just yet. But then the opposite, you know, I gotta, I gotta admit, I, I thought that arrows were kind of a whitewash this season in the beginning, and then all of a sudden they had this amazing turnaround. And I shouldn't even think that because they're a team of that caliber that you should never count them out, right? Um, so maybe this was just a misstep for them uh, in, in this season. I hope that uh, you know, it, it kind of like you know to what what David said. There's not much criticism to be able to offer. This just wasn't their game. Yeah. And I also think from the New Orleans side, I, th- I think when Damian Stevens comes in the game for them, they, 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 they up their game, you know? So, you know, I'm not, I'm not the New Orleans coach and I'm not down there day to day to see, you know, what Holden's doing, but um, you know, it seems like when Damian's in that game, the, the, the level goes up. Is there like Stevens an extra start. step in the energy that uh, we spoke about this, Rob, but probably a few yeah. weeks back. And of course we're not, we're not choosing one player over another. It's just, there's a different level of energy on the field when Stevens makes his appearance. And, and notice uh, uh, another one impact player that came on was Matt Harmon. That right. made a hell That's of true. a difference in the scrum. He really anchored down a scrum that had really struggled here and there throughout the first half. Well, gentlemen, uh, now that we've given it the, uh, the due time, we understand uh, that this game was uh, an interesting one uh, for a couple of different reasons. Um, well, if you like what we do and you also think the same way that we do, let us know. If you think that we are totally off base and it was total rubbish analysis, you can also let us know by dropping a comment down below. Just make sure you reference Scott in that one. Um, and then uh, <laughs> continue forward, uh, we want to remind all of you that you can, of course, continue to follow us in each and every episode 
episode like this on the Rugby Debate, where we will have new episodes weekly uh, released every Thursday evening on our home at Facebook under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod. You can follow us through Twitter, uh, or Instagram, TikTok even, and of course through your favorite podcast providers under the same handle at Rugby Rant Pod, where we will be releasing new content weekly. And uh, from myself, I need to now be able to figure out the toughest part of the show. Who is the winner? Uh, it has been an interesting debate. Uh, this is a really good episode, by the way, gentlemen. Like, I thought it was top notch. And uh, which makes it all the more difficult to be able to figure out a winner. So between the two conversations we had, one talking about USA Eagles taking on Ireland in Ireland, uh, the merits and demerits around that. Then we finally ended the show talking about Nola versus the Arrows in that game analysis. Uh, so I think that um, I think we can offer this uh, this win to uh, to Dave Fee. Uh, your analysis. Um, your, your I'll, I'll, I'll hang it on my wall among all my <laughs> other uh, treasures. Take everything down and just put that up. I'm okay with that. <laughs> Some idea. of those 2003 teammates are saying fiasco one. How the hell did that happen? <laughs> That well, was by hey, the way very hey, funny. How did we not begin, that Beginner's in? luck. This is my first time, so uh, it'll be great. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's it's also the benefit of having uh, it first up on the rant because, uh, you know, the whole field is wide open. But you made some solid points, obviously, in game analysis, which is, you know, your wheelhouse um, with the experience you have. You know, you're, you're, you're well-versed in the rugby language, and it came across on screen very well. Just a little... Do you have any shout outs that you wanted to be able to send before we uh, head out over here, uh, Dave? No, I think just, you know, kudos to you guys and kudos to everyone who's doing great things for our game. You know, everyone's happy to be back on the field again. Uh, hopefully we're at the end of this nonsense, you know, as a international coach, I'm looking forward to scouting the U 18s and uh, looking up at the, the world juniors at the end of the year here for us. And, uh, you know, seeing the end of the MLR schedule and again, it's just great to have some rugby back and it's great, you know, what you guys do on the show. So, you know, shout out to you guys. Thanks. Thanks for coming on, Dave. It's always a pleasure, mate. Yep. We truly appreciate that. And again, a final reminder, if you've liked any of the gear that you see on the show here, go and check out shopmlr.com. Of course, powered by the rugbyshop.com. And of course, make sure you get in your pre-orders for the North American blend for rugby coffee. And you grab a beer down in Chicago with Dave and Rob at, of course, in Mundelein, isn't it? at uh, the yep. Tight Head Brewing Company. Or myself, Ty Braga, on behalf of Dave Fee, Scott Ferrar, Rob Hammerschmidt, we thank you for watching another great episode of the Rugby Rant Podcast Show, and we will see you at the next. <laughs>